everyone, this is Chad, and I have a special announcement. Our newest podcast is out today on the Apple and Google Play podcast stores. It's called IT Visionaries, and it is conversations, interviews, and actionable insights from Fortune 50 and Fortune 100 CIOs, CTOs, and CEOs. So if you're interested in what executives and what C-level executives specifically are doing and how they're thinking about technological change at some of the largest companies in the world. And if you ever wonder about how companies of such a large size and scale make decisions, how they innovate, and how they ultimately accomplish way more with less, this is a podcast you're going to want to check out. So everybody check out IT Visionaries. It would mean the world to us if you could download and subscribe. It's a really cool podcast. We have the first five episodes out today. So if you're interested, be sure to check it out. We're going to be doing that as a twice-weekly podcast. So new interviews with C-level executives every single week. And it's completely free on Apple and Google Play Podcasts. Enjoy. In today's episode of The Mission Daily, we're talking about three ways to become a better leader. And we're talking about this for a number of reasons because... Everybody that's listening has probably had the experience of serving under bad leadership, which we shouldn't even call leadership at that point, but basically working under people where you just feel horrible about it and you can tell that they're not very good people. They don't have intentions that are good for you or anybody or even the company or whatever the group is that you're working with. And we know that that feels horrible. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we know how good it feels when leadership is voluntary. The person who is leading doesn't rely on rank to lead. They rely on their actions. And when their behaviors match with their goals, their actions, what they care about, it's just a great feeling to work in an organization like that. So the best way to talk about these three ways to become a better leader is to review a leadership classic, which is called The One Minute Manager. And it's a book I alluded to last week, but I want to dive into the three main points and three ways that that book shows to become a better leader. Yeah, and I think this is the perfect time to dive into this topic because do you know how many people under you you're managing at this point? Every time I've asked you, it's always you always get it wrong. So <laughs> what do you think now? There's a lot, there's a lot, of, a lot in my mind. And uh, yeah, it's definitely something I need to improve, I guess. All to right, what number? Track things more closely. Uh, let me add things up. Are we counting clients? Yeah, or? no, just all the people who are under you that you manage that help produce the podcast, the shows, everything? Trick question. I should only be counting direct reports. No. (laughs) Yeah, direct reports, there's four, and then around... uh, 19 people people total. 19 people on the team now. Gotcha. So one interesting point about this is that why it's so important to start studying this topic now is because you have so many people under you, but also we did it in a way that we scaled appropriately because a lot of times I've seen, whether it's at Google or other companies, teams all of a sudden they go from managing no one to like 50 people because maybe they acquire a company or all of a sudden they get reorged or something and we've been able to do it in a way where we've been able to gradually scale up but now you're at the point where we really have to put on our leadership hats and make sure we're doing the right thing by everyone we really do you know this episode is in preparation for starting okrs and kpis at the end of this month which will hopefully in the first week of september we'll go over with everyone and we went over the org chart was it last weekend? Yeah. That? And so that's pretty exciting because I think just seeing all of those things makes it much easier to think about how to manage and allocate resources and stuff, especially with the fact that the team has been remote 
up until this point, that's presented a number of challenges. I'm definitely a person that's in the camp that, you know, remote work isn't the future of work. It's a good tool in your toolkit, but at the same time, having time in the office with people is just so, so important. Yeah. So, we should yeah. do a whole episode on how to manage people remotely because that was a whole different type of challenge. It's super difficult for sure. So the three ways to become a better leader and to really inspire a team that we're going to talk about today involve goal setting and then recognizing the good as well as recognizing the bad. So before we jump into those, we have to do a quick shout out to our sponsor. Thanks to Twilio for sponsoring this episode of The Mission Daily. Twilio is the leading cloud communications platform. And this October, Twilio is hosting Signal, a customer and developer conference that explores the intersection of technology innovation and communications. And if you go to signal.twilio.com and use our promo code MISSION20, you can get 20% off those conference tickets. And we'll see you there because we're going to be on location. So let's jump into number one, the number one way to become a better leader, and that is to practice and get really good at goal setting. In the One Minute Manager, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's about 100 pages and it's a leadership classic. It's told in the guise of a fictional story where this aspiring young talent and aspiring young manager goes to this organization that's working really well. And he basically talks to the CEO and then I think two other executives and they tell him about how the organization works. And the first thing that they lay out in this fictional story is basically a simple parable or examples of how to set better goals. So they advocate something which is basically along the lines of writing each of your goals on a single sheet of paper and use less than 250 words. So take a four by six note card and write out your goals for the week or whatever it is. And so on the surface, this is really simple. This is common sense stuff, but the actual act of writing it out, thinking about it, looking at it, deciding if this is a clear statement of what needs to be accomplished is really the only way that you can then take the next step, which is to write out the behaviors and the specific things that are needed to reach that goal for the week. Once you do that, you can start to judge yourself and decide, okay, what does good behavior that moves me towards these goals look like? And then what do counterproductive behaviors look like? The note card aspect of this is great because it can stay on your desk throughout the day. It's easy to lose track of things when we're using something like Asana for project management you can't see the single focus or the three most important things and just review them for the week. So this is really about just having that North Star in a place that is visible all week. These are the type of things too where you want to obviously prioritize, but you want to list the most important things where these are like the lead dominoes that if you accomplish them, they will help knock down everything else. And you also want to accomplish things that make it easier for others to accomplish your goals. So that's just a simple way of thinking about how to prioritize these. But you have to take the actual leap of writing it down and then sharing it with other people who might be involved in the behaviors that are going to get you there. So maybe they're collaborating with you or maybe they are your direct reports and you just want to share with them what is going on above them in the organization. And that's a great way to get on the same page. Yeah, I love the idea of thinking about what the behavior looks like when forming those goals, because I know while working at Google, I would set up OKRs and every quarter we would do it. And a lot of times you'd get to the end of the quarter and you'd start scramble to try and like hit these OKRs because you didn't put it in perspective of like within the first couple of weeks, I need to be doing these types of behaviors to push this project 
further along and then maybe thinking like this is how it's going to feel if I do that. So I think if you think about those types of things, it actually helps you meet the goals instead of just putting a goal down on paper and saying, let's check in in Q1 and see if I ended up miraculously doing it. Yeah. And I think that you have to review this every single day if you're going to chip off the small steps that you need to get towards a much, much larger thing. It's uncomfortable because now you have the judgment of you've made it explicitly clear to yourself what success looks like. This is the hard part about all these three things. They're easy to talk about, but they're very, very difficult to make yourself do. And they're even more difficult to ask your subordinates or your team members or your peers to do, because this forces everyone out of an environment where talk is cheap to where talk becomes analyzed. And now there's like the harsh reality of, okay, did you produce results? Because the market in which you're competing or selling things or trying not to compete ideally is a place that's brutal in a sense. It doesn't care about your intentions, about your feelings, about how much money you've raised or who your investors are. It could care less about most of those things. And that is why you have to judge yourself with uncompromising sincerity here. And it's not easy. So if the market's bad, nature is even worse. And it's easy to think that the market is just so brutal, but it's a brutal form of honesty. And the more honesty you can take, the more you can look at yourself at the end of the week and say, okay, I didn't take any of the daily actions needed to you know, move towards these goals, the better off you're going to be. And it's really important to nail this part of the equation and this step first, because before you can lead others, you have to first be satisfying yourself. I think that this is something that other people can pick up on instantly if you're not accomplishing your own goals. Whereas on the contrary end of that, if you are accomplishing your goals and you feel the confidence that comes from that and are confident in your own daily actions, that's something that, again, is going to spread throughout the organization much easier. And it's going to make it much easier to implement number two and three in this our little list of ways to be super productive and be a great leader. I was just thinking an interesting way maybe to set up incentives for you to actually hit those goals. I mean, we use Asana for project management, but you could also just do calendar invites. But maybe for the next two months, every Friday, you set up a reminder that says, my behavior looks like this to hit this type of goal. So then you get a constant reminder at the end of the week where you can check in and see how you did. Because I could see a couple weeks being pretty easy to you know, not check in and not see where you're at and then get to the end of the month and be like, oh man, if I would have looked back on the first week to see how I was doing, I would have known that I wasn't headed the right way. So that could be an interesting thing. Just a little pop-up reminder, let you know how you're doing. Yeah. I think that the more you can advertise to yourself to just nudge yourself in the direction of the behaviors you want, the better. Okay. So this brings us to the second point of how to become a great leader. So the second one is recognizing the good 80%. So I guess that's like the 80-20 rule. Yeah. And so the 80-20 rule is useful in thinking about all of these things and really getting specific about what results you want, what behaviors you want, because 20% of your efforts are going to produce 80% of the results. Another power law might come into effect here. So maybe just 1% of the things you do end up producing a, the lion's share of profits or results or something like that. Mm-hmm. But with the good part, this is where you want to recognize the good things that other people are doing in the organization. And something that they didn't bring up in the book, but I think is vital for any leader to do, which is first you have to recognize the good in yourself. So just by nature of being in a leadership position, there's a very good chance that the person who is already there has been hypercritical of themselves for the longest period of time. And that is something that you have to come to terms with and you have to be really honest. Okay. As a leader, have I been too critical with myself and have I been too unforgiving 
or have I been not forgiving enough? I think I know someone like this who's been pretty <laughs> critical of themselves for a while. Hmm. <laughs> so this is really important, though, because before you would dare judge anyone else's work ethic or any of their behaviors as being helpful or not helpful to themselves and to the organization, it's really important that you're able to be a much more harsh judge on yourself which is for many leaders, the difficult part of recognizing what you do that's good. And once you identify the 20% of your own behaviors that are good and helpful, it's very important that you recognize and reward yourself for this and recognize, okay, I did the correct things here. These behaviors got us to where we needed to be in these, these times, in these places. And that's the first step is basically forgiving yourself. The second step is to then move out into the organization and recognize the good actions that others are doing. And so this isn't about recognizing them as people or you know, recognizing their emotions or anything like that. Although that can be really helpful, this is more about focusing in on the specific behaviors. So separating the fruits of their work and of their labors from them. And having that separation is really, really important because communication is nightmarishly difficult. It's really, really hard, especially when you have a remote organization. So this is really a challenge where you have to get into the details and get into the weeds and understand, okay, what can I compliment people on? And then once you've identified it, figuring out what is the best situation in which to pay those compliments? Does the person care about public recognition for this? Or are they someone who's going to value a thoughtful private compliment much more? And identifying what that type of person craves and what type of motivation that they're looking for I think is uh, is really important. But once you identify this, you can basically praise them immediately when you see the behavior, get specific about whatever it was that they did that was so great, and then tell people how that made you feel as a leader. Again, it sounds simple. It sounds like we're getting to the uh, psychologist's couch. In a sense, we are. And this is going to feel like therapy if you've done it right, because it's going to relieve the tension that exists in organizations that are trying to tackle something that's really complex and really hard. People have that natural tension because generally all of the efforts that you're putting forward aren't going to be quite good enough, especially in an organization that's constrained for resources and time. Oftentimes you have to get comfortable with work that is good enough. And that's a, that's a bad feeling because we all want to be perfectionists and just get better and better. But in most situations, it's important to be very forgiving and realize that oftentimes people are doing their best. You just have to catch them, praise them immediately, and make sure you convey how good it makes you feel to see these type of behaviors in them, in the team, and then paint a picture of what the future looks like if these behaviors continue. And this is an exciting time because now you get to present an image of, okay, if as an organization, all of us are keeping our goals for the week in front of us, and we are each monitoring and judging our own behavior, this creates way less work for everyone else. It creates way less work for the person you report to, for all of the people under you. It literally de-stresses the organization because now we have a self-regulating super organism of individuals who can all objectively analyze what they're doing, why, how their own behavior affects people, and their mindset is now primed to see the good in everyone and everyone else that's above you, that's below you. This is exciting territory because you can start to create a hierarchy that is based on virtue and courage and imagination where somebody's not afraid to compliment their boss on, hey, you did this correctly and that made me feel great because now I don't have to worry about 
my work being appropriately valued because I see you do value it. And this is where you get into fun territory where you can take risks and you can make praises. And as we mentioned in a previous episode, speak marvelous words about your friends to hasten the brotherhood and hasten your ability to collaborate together. So this is really fun territory for me anyways, because you get to yeah make people feel good, which is the ultimate way to feel good yourself. Yeah, agree. And I think one of the steps that he points out that I think are really interesting is that after you catch this person doing something great, and you immediately go into like telling them what they did great, he says to take a moment of silence to let them feel how good you feel about it, which I think is pretty awkward for a lot of people to give a compliment, and then kind of just sit there in silence, letting the other person feel what you just told them. Yeah. But I think that could be really powerful because a lot of times when you're having a quick conversation, you don't actually get any micro moment to stop and take it in of like, wow, I just got a really nice compliment. And that was from doing this, this and this and really think about where it came from to associate the compliment with your actions that you just did. It just happens so quickly. Sometimes you might forget about it a minute later. So I think that's really interesting is stop that's for a moment a of point. silence, let it soak in for a second and then encourage them to do more of the same after that. That's such a good point. So this brings us to our third way to become a better leader and better manager. And this is the much, much more difficult part, which is about recognizing the bad things, the less than stellar things that people are doing or their behaviors are contributing to that are going to hurt the organization and ultimately themselves. So this isn't about identifying behavior that's always focused on profits. This is more about identifying behavior that's going to impact culture in a negative way and then working to correct it. And, you know, they describe this as one minute reprimands. I kind of hate that word. Like nobody, Who wants nobody, to be wants, reprimanded? nobody <laughs> wants to be reprimanded, but everybody wants to be saved in a sense. And if you're continually banging your head up against a wall or running into roadblocks and challenges, and you're just not good at something, you need that recognition of somebody to say, Hey, what you're doing is not helpful for these reasons. And I think it would be way more helpful if you could direct your efforts in this direction and do this instead. So this is a tricky time where egos can get bruised and you have to shed a lot of your own ego to pay this type of feedback. But feedback is really important. So there's a great quote from Elon Musk. And he says basically to constantly seek out criticism is the type of mindset that you want to have as an entrepreneur because a well thought out critique is generally so rare of what you're doing that Musk says something like it's as valuable as gold. The point here is that if somebody takes the time to give you a really well thought out critique of what you're doing, and not only do they critique what you're doing, but they critique the behavior and not you. And on top of that, they have enough context about the situation to provide very good advice. It's rare whenever you encounter that in life. And in a sense, it's a person who values your potential and your future and what you could become. You know, They value you in such a large sense that they're willing to take this risk of offending you for the short term in favor of the long-term relationship. It's really priceless. So if you do encounter this, if you do get this opportunity to work with someone who gives you direct feedback about what could be improved, and you realize that that feedback helps you become a better person, so helps you accomplish your goals for your personal life and outside of the company and for the teams that you want to lead and the people you want to impact, that's really precious. You know, In my own life, that's something I'm always seeking out is harsh feedback, honest feedback, but only from people that have enough context to appropriately give it. 
Yep. I was just talking to Jenny, who, shout out to Jenny. Shout out to Jenny. She's done an amazing job. Yeah, she's great. But we were talking about feedback, just how to get it, how to receive it. And I was saying some of the most learned lessons that I've had in my life was getting feedback. And some of it was kind of harsh, whether it was working at my first job or even when I first started at Google, of just pointing things out of like, hey, how long this took you? It has to take half the amount of time. Or, hey, this is getting sent to the VPs and very high level people at Google. So the fact that you missed these types of details when you sent out this email, like it can't happen again. And just as examples, but I remember at the time when I first started being like, oh man, that hurts. But then instantly going into like, okay, I can't let that happen. They're right. I mean, you might be hurt for a couple seconds, but it instantly propelled me forward to want to make sure that I get everything right after that and be very detail oriented and just always think about the outcome of if I mess something up or if I don't do something correctly or something's not on time, here's the impact that happens afterwards. I always think that's the best ways to learn is having harsh criticism that helps you for the rest of your life. I couldn't agree more. And I think what you mentioned is really important that when you do provide critique to others, it's important to not get offended. If they get offended, that's fine. It's something that is very natural for us to get defensive. And oftentimes the people who become the most defensive have the highest levels of imagination. Yeah, it's a bit of a pet theory of mine. But anyways, if you do get defensive, just notice it, just watch it. You don't have to continually identify as a defensive person. You can just identify it when it's happening. And you can notice that, oh, I'm becoming defensive. Maybe I'm getting closer to truth. Maybe I'm getting closer to something that is threatening my ego, but that presents a massive opportunity for me to incorporate into my routines, incorporate into my feedback loops of how I think about the world, how I think about work. And oftentimes we grow very uncomfortable with the truthful, honest feedback that comes our way. Yeah, agree. And I also think that if people are getting defensive when you're giving them feedback, it actually is a good sign because it means that they care. If you're giving someone feedback and they're just like, mm-hmm, okay, cool. And you can just see like no emotion at all. That's probably not a good sign. So I'd rather see people get, you know, maybe a little bit defensive, maybe a little bit upset because then, you know, they're actually taking this to heart and they care about, you know, their work and they want to make sure it's great and they want to make sure it's great for you. So I like it. And I really like how the one minute manager lays out how to give the bad feedback of first telling the person beforehand, like, hey, I'm about to give you feedback to prepare them and then reprimanding them immediately about the action. So not tying it to the person, but it's only the behavior that they did and being very specific about what they did wrong. So it's very clear to them. Maybe even bring in how you felt when they were doing it. So they kind of attach some emotions. And then there comes the uncomfortable silence of like letting them feel it for a few seconds of how you both feel about the situation. And then afterwards giving them, I think it was a pat on the back or something, something to show that you care about them, you're on their side and you're trying to help them. And then reminding them how great they are at the end. It's great. A sandwich, yeah. a compliment sandwich, <laughs> a reprimand sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's a great step-by-step -step process. And I think that when people do get defensive, just remember that it's not a bad thing. It's just really an opportunity to engage in better dialogue. Because if somebody did get defensive, chances are they have a different story that is running in their own heads about how hard they worked or the efforts they put forward. It might be a lot of things that you're not even aware of. So if you learn to view defensiveness as an opportunity to shed a little bit of ego, but also to kind of like reinvigorate the dialogue that you're having and start to listen better because you might be on the verge of a far, far better understanding. It's the type of relationships that can survive this type of honest feedback from a person that's maybe higher up in the organization 
who is brave enough to provide it, that's where you get an opportunity to really help people grow as a leader and where you give them a springboard to achieve whatever they want. And it's the people that can endure this type of feedback that do the best. Yeah. And I love the last step too. realize that when the reprimand is over, it's over. You don't talk about it anymore. You switch subjects. Like you don't just keep hammering on it for that whole day or bring it up again, like three days later. I mean, if they do it again, of course, but once it's done, it's done. And then you let them go about their day. So I think that's really important point because a lot of people do drag stuff on. Yes. Especially if you have, as a leader, failed to bring something up, it can feel like the issue is far more big or far more out of control than it actually is. If as a leader, you notice that you've been cowardly in failing to address something or addressing shortcomings, you don't get to take this out because ultimately it's it's on you. If you're frustrated about something because you've been holding on to it and harboring it, it's very important that you don't let your shortcomings spill over in your reprimand or anything like that. I agree. And then I think a great way he summarized the last two points about how to even choose employees to begin with is you either hire a winner, which is going to be more expensive, but then maybe less training, less reprimanding, or you hire someone with potential who can become a winner, but you have to train them up and maybe reprimand them more. So I think that's a good way to think about it. Do I want to spend more money up front? Maybe you don't have that money up front. Okay. And the step two is learning how to train them in a way that might be a little bit harder up front, but could make them a winner eventually. That's a great reminder. All right. Well, that was the One Minute Manager. I hope you guys liked it. And thanks again to our presenting sponsor, Twilio, for sponsoring this episode of the Mission Daily. If you're interested in the Twilio Signal Conference, check out our show notes. Go to signal.twilio.com and use our promo code MISSION20 to get 20% off or just go to our show notes and click on it there. And we will see you at the conference. In the meantime, make sure you're following us on the socials. Tweet at us with any questions or things you want to see answered or addressed in our next AMA. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, Send an iMessage or send a message to a friend and let them know about it. Each and every one helps us a ton, and we could not do it without your support. So with that, we'll see you tomorrow on the Mission Daily. See ya. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.